Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Like I said earlier, my name is Chris. I'm the senior leader here. Um, If you don't know me, I look forward to getting to know you. Um, One of the things that sets us apart as a community is that we believe that we are a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. We believe that if you are here, God wants to touch your life. God wants to do something in you. Not just learn principles about God, but he wants to actually come in contact with you personally, with who you are. See, God is not just interested in your ability to perform well. Uh, No, it's this one. Um, Your ability to perform well, he's actually interested in your heart. He wants to encounter you fully and completely. Okay. Um, So here's the the happy freedom day. Happy freedom day. All right. Um, We've got a focus on this year of, of we believe very strongly that this year was going to be a year where we would have daily encounters with God. Not just a read the word moment, but a daily encounter with God. That might just come through reading the word. You know, that's true, right? But we need to seek the Lord in a manner that allows us to encounter and experience Him in His goodness in our lives in a real and tangible way. Now, for those of us who maybe grew up in a Catholic church or we have a Mormon background or even a Lutheran background or we could go down the Methodist Episcopalian, we could do all the liturgical churches. And and a lot of religion was around understanding concepts for the sake of being able to know God and hopefully get saved. We come at it from a place of, I have nothing if I don't know him. And this is really hard because there's usually, I, I just will tell you, there's a dividing line in our hearts and in our minds that can, when we don't know Jesus, that can make it very difficult to understand what it means to know God and to encounter God. Now, what's really beautiful about coming together in a group like this is that God is flowing through, I would say, a strong majority of the people sitting here today. Therefore, when they shake your hand and they pray for you or they have a moment with you, you get to experience God because he's moving through them to you. So let that be the case. This is called encouragement. It's called fellowship, right? Where the Spirit of God is able to work through broken people to bring forth his perfect goodness in our lives. So with that, I want you to shake hands with somebody. Say hello to somebody and encourage them. If you don't know them, say hello, my name is, and whatever your name, and then have a brief conversation. We're going to take about two minutes, but this is part of God working through us. Encourage one another in the spirit. Just take a moment to do that. Let's, let's start grabbing a seat, wind it down. We're going to get in the word. Encourage one another in the spirit. All right, now I want you to, whoever you're talking to right now, tell them I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Now tell them you can't mess this up. You can't mess this up. People try, but they fail. They try to mess it up. Awesome. So we believe. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you guys so much. Um, We believe that daily encounters with God will produce freedom in your life. They'll produce freedom in your life. The priority of the kingdom of heaven is to set people free. 
It is to bring freedom into people's lives. And of course, I figure, you know, it's 4th of July. We should talk about freedom. Because it is in Christ that we are set free, but we often don't understand what the fruit of freedom really is. So, we're going to talk a little bit about this. I'm going to start this morning with um, a concept that Jesus came to give us freedom. Uh, Luke 4, 18 through 19, Jesus walks into the synagogue, takes the scroll of Isaiah, opens it up and begins to read. And this is what he reads. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel or the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, we have to ask ourselves a question. Am I one of those people Jesus came to set free? This is a good question. Am I one of those people? So then we, if we dig in a little bit further, we're going to ask ourselves the question, what am I held captive by? Because if he came to set the captive free, what am I held captive by? What holds my heart? What holds my mind that I want to get rid of? Come on, I don't mind shooting sacred cows, and I don't mind pointing at that pink elephant in the middle of the room. Men, are you held captive by pornography? Okay, sacred cow. We don't talk about that. Listen, Barna just came out recently. It's like 80%, guys, of Christians. Let's not, let's not act, you know, like, okay, you can just be honest within your own heart. I'm not asking anybody to raise their hands today, okay? I'm not, but I think it's a reality that we need to look at. Things like, what holds you captive? What, what are the places that you just can't say no? Oreos. I mean, um, there's other, there might be other things out there that hold you captive, Things that you have a hard time saying no to. Boy, the pastor compared pornography to Oreos in church today. I just can't, <laughs> can't believe it. What holds you captive? What are you blinded by? Because he, he came to bring recovery of sight to the blind. What are you blinded by? Your emotions blind you? Fits of rage? Maybe you feel like a constant victim and you're blinded to the freedom in which Christ has set you free. What blinds you? Maybe it's an offense. What are you oppressed by? Your past? What your dad or your mom did? Does that oppress you? Is that an oppression in your life? I've counseled a lot of people who've been through very traumatic things and the people that have a really hard time finding healing keep that thing that happened way back there in the front of their minds all the time. And it now that, that oppression from that experience now directs and moves their emotions, their will, their thinking, and they can't figure out why can't I get rid of this thing right in front of my head? Like it's right here and that's the, it changes everything. Well, it's because you haven't yet to experience freedom from it. By the Lord. Because he came to set the oppressed free. So where's the oppression in your life? Free people are powerful people. Let me say it again. Free people are powerful people. Free people choose to follow Christ. Free people can choose to obey God. Free people choose to abstain from sin. Free people choose to love and choose forgiveness. They choose to serve instead of be selfish. 
free people can do the things that the oppressed people can't do. Free people can choose honor. Free people live out their calling without fear of what men think about them. I could go on for days about the different choices that we can make, but you can't make your own choices if you are not free. You don't get the chance to make your own choices if you're not free. So whatever areas of our life that actually are binding us, like power, well, I'm going to get to it. I want to skip ahead really bad. Um, Power in the kingdom starts with the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, let me, let me, um, let's, I just want to talk real quick about Jesus setting us free to choose him because what happened at the cross, Jesus comes, I'm just going to give a a 30,000 foot view of what happened here. Jesus is sent from heaven to earth in order to live a completely sinless life as a hundred percent man. Okay. And it says, Philippians tells us that he laid down his deity in order to do that, okay? That that he laid down the glory that he could have carried on the earth. He chose to set that aside. Why? Because he had to fulfill living on the earth as 100% man, tempted in every way. Hebrews tells us that he was tempted in every way that we are tempted, and yet perfectly sinless. Why? Because he lived anointed by the Holy Spirit. So we see Jesus getting baptized, and in his baptism, the heavens open, and the voice of God booms from the heavens. This is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? And then the spirit ascended on him like a dove and landed on him, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He lived a completely sinless life. Because he lived a sinless life, when they crucified him as an innocent man, they crucified him, unjustly killed him. He was crucified in such a way that every part of the curse in Genesis 3 would be paid for. Like there's only one way that a man could die where each wound actually paid the price for the Genesis 3 curse. That's a whole nother series, but go study that out. It's pretty amazing right? Strife between the husband and wife. Interesting. Blood and water and his, and his heart was pierced. Come on now, think about he had to toil. He had to, man, man had to toil in the garden and they would reap thorns and thistles instead of just the crop that they wanted. So that the labor was part of the curse in order to get bread, right? That's not God's plan. That was, that was part of the curse, okay? So His hands are pierced where you work. You can go down the list. It's pretty amazing. You should take a look at it. See, Jesus set us free because when he died and was buried, he rose from the dead three days later. Now, again, we just did Easter a little while ago. And one of the things that we have to recognize is that when it comes to did a historical thing happen. Every single way that you can judge a historical fact, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus fits as a historical fact on every measure. We have eyewitness testimony, multiple eyewitness testimony, right? We have people living as if it were real, not a joke willing to be crucified upside down and boiled in hot oil because they saw the dude after he rose from the grave. Okay, like the evidence is overwhelming, overwhelming. So when he raises from the dead, he meets with his disciples, right? Gives them some instructions, opens the scriptures, shares the scriptures with them, And then he ascends into the heaven where right now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he says, it's better that I leave because when I leave, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit, right? And when he sent the Holy Spirit, he said, listen, wait for me in Jerusalem 
Wait for the promise of my Father to come upon you so that you can receive power to be witnesses in Judea or in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth in Acts 1.8. I'm telling you all of this because all of this made a way for you to receive the forgiveness of every failure, of every sin, of every miss, every Every little thing can be completely wiped clean because Jesus paid the price. He was crucified to pay the price for all of your failures so that you don't carry the weight of the judgment and the shame that comes with it any longer. This is why I love that song, Graves into Gardens. He turned shame into glory. He's the only one who can, right? So there's this reality. What, you know what I just told you was the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he came to make a way where you couldn't make a way. He came to save you when you were unsavable. He came to transform your life where all your efforts have failed. He will make a way for you. Now, I say all that because Power in the kingdom starts with the Spirit. If you want to be free, you need the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you want to be free, you've got to have the Spirit working in your life. Okay? I'm going to read these four scriptures. Some people are like, Chris, it's so great when you have the PowerPoint because I can write down the references if they're out there. So I'm not listing the whole scriptures, but I'm going to read them quickly here. Zechariah 4, 6, it is not by might nor by, it's not by my might. And it's not by your power, but it is by the Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Luke 4, 14, Jesus returns from being tempted in the wilderness. It says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He returned in the power of the Spirit, Acts 10, 38. This is where Peter is at Cornelius' house, and he's preaching the first gospel message to the Gentiles. And he says this, he's preaching, he says, I'm going to tell you about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. All who were oppressed by the devil. I love that. Okay, Romans 15, 8, 9. This is one of my personal favorite verses Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he says, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. He's like, listen, let me tell you something. The ministry that we're doing, the things that are happening, I'm not going to brag about what's happened in my life. What I am going to say, though, and I love this, what happened in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. The gospel was preached so that from Jerusalem and around about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ is preached when there's signs, miracles, and wonders. Now, now let me tell you this. It is a miracle that God grabs your heart, and you go, yes, Yes, God, I, I, I feel that. I experienced that in my life. I hear your voice in my spirit. And I'm going to say yes to whatever you got from me, God. I'm saying yes. That's a miracle. That's God's divine intervention in our lives. We do not downplay that. But some people's hearts are hard. And they're hard to the gospel. And it's amazing how their broken leg getting healed suddenly opens them up to hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. It's amazing when somebody will speak a word of encouragement specifically and directly into a situation of deep anguish and pain because the Spirit of God is using that person to say, hey, there is good news for that area that you've been suffering in. God has healing for you. And they experience the love and the power of God and they give their lives to Jesus Christ. In many, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem around about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Let me tell you this. The door to freedom is the forgiveness of sin. The door to freedom is the forgiveness of sin. 
So what does that mean? Well, we are reconciled with God when we receive Jesus Christ and we make him Lord of our lives. Without that, we are bound to sin. Freedom from sin starts the process for all of us. So when sin gets out of the way, now what do you have to do? Now we have the freedom to say no to the desire that would normally cause us to sin. Some, now, I, I know some people who've been delivered of all like negative, sinful desire in certain areas. Like I've seen people get saved and get delivered from even having any desire for pornography, like done, right? Pretty rare. I've seen the same thing with alcohol. I've seen it with marijuana. I've seen it with, you know, like Pastor Joel Swartzel was a retired pastor here, and he talks about how, how he um, would... When he gave his life to Jesus, he used to, he was a farm boy in North Dakota and his tractor would break down. He'd cuss that thing out. He used to just cuss it out. And the day after he gave his life to Christ, he never swore again, right? Just fully delivered from having a foul mouth. You know, what's amazing, amazing is that the forgiveness of sin opens the door for you to not only be completely free, but to work out every area where you need freedom right? So it starts with the forgiveness of sin. I just want to make that really clear because we have to ask the Lord to forgive us of our sin in order to begin to live free, okay? Now, Romans 6 says this, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died, say has died. So there's a death that happens when Jesus comes. We're to put to death the deeds of the flesh. We're to put that thing to death. Jesus says, come and follow me. Crucify your flesh and come and follow me, right? So we have an active part in killing the old man. This is the only time where I recommend murder. It says, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. Say, for all. Now say, that's me. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, you are free in Christ to choose righteousness at all times. You are free in Christ to choose righteousness at all times. You are a son and a daughter of God. When you are forgiven, you are brought in to a heavenly family. He now considers you a son of God. He adopts you. This isn't just a sin exchange. You're now family. You're now adopted. As a son of God, you get to choose righteousness at every single turn. You can choose what is right at every single turn. Come on, I'm, I'm praying that, how many of you ever heard of Pavlov's dogs? Pavlov was a, was a psychologist, right? And what he figured out in working with dogs is that if, that if you fed the dog and you rang a bell every time you fed him, eventually you could ring the bell and the dog would salivate ready to eat. Right? Ring the bell, the dog would salivate. Well, what we call this is a trigger, right? The bell's a trigger and the reaction is the salivating. Okay, you guys following me? So, so many of us are so used to ding, drool. Ding, drool. We hear something offended. Ooh. You know? She looked at me the wrong way again. Come on now. Come on, you see something, you feel something, right? I believe that God wants to put a, so much space between the trigger and the response that the Holy Spirit can fill it. 
See, God wants to fill the space between your trigger and your response. God wants to fill the space between the thing that would make you drool and you actually drooling. Somebody says something mean, and instead of getting incensed, I'm going to go tell my spouse all about that jerk. Instead of that, the Holy Spirit now has some space where you can say, God, I'm, I, I need you to come work in my heart, to love this person who is offensive to me. Oh, you mean, I'm actually, they didn't do anything wrong. I'm just easily offended. Really? God, is that possible? Right? We can't even get there until the Holy Spirit puts some space there. You want to be free, ask the Holy Spirit to come between your trigger and your reaction. God wants us to have a Holy Spirit response, not just an instant reaction. Would you agree? Okay, cool. So you are free to choose righteousness at all times. Now, you may have to battle, but you are free to choose. Okay, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, and God is able, who... God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Right? He finishes that up saying, with the temptation, God will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You might have to make a choice and bear under a temptation for a moment, but God is faithful. And he is able to help you in your time of need. You have to choose righteousness. You may have to battle, but you are free to choose. Why? God is going to empower you to live free. Now, John 8, 31 and 35 says this. Oh, sorry, those scriptures aren't up there. John 8, 31 and 35 says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Now, these are Jews who believed in Jesus. If you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you, if you are my disciple, you're going to abide in my word, right? Now that's a battle to choose righteousness, to abide in, our, in his word. And yet he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answered and said, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage. They're clearly self-deceived, right? Clearly, they've been in bondage. Hello, Egypt. Hello, Rome. You know, like, you're in bondage now, right? Okay, he says this. He replies to their little retort. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. He sets us free as sons, not as slaves. Amen? All right. So, discovering the powerful you... How powerful you are as a free person is how you mature in Christ. Let me just say this. You discover who you are and what you're capable with him, not just for him. You discover who you are and what you are capable of with him, not just for him. Most of us are used to doing things for God. He says, no, come do it with me because I will mature you. I'll make you more like me because I'm setting you free to think the way I think, to choose the way I choose, to believe what I believe, and to to hear what I'm saying in any given moment. Powerless people are victims. Powerless people are also rescuers. What do I mean by that? People that don't have, they don't know that they're free are looking to be valued at every turn. As a son, I know my value. As a son, you can't say much about my value because I'm getting my value from my father. 
I get my value from my father. Now, if I'm getting something wrong, I, I always want to know that, right? Come on, church. If you're getting something wrong, you want someone to point it out to you. And you know you're deceived if you go, well, it's your fault. Right? No, not good. Uh, oh, that's, that's just me. Okay. So, so the reality is that as a believer in Jesus Christ, one of the great things that I have the freedom to do is to say no to people. Remember, Ben was talking about sewership, and sometimes he's got to say no, right? I am free to say no just as much as I have a freedom to say yes. When you know who you are, you know what your yes is. When you know who you are, you know what your yes is. See, I know who I am, and I know where God's called me to be, so we're not doing MIT the same way we did it next year. I have to say no, though it was so fun, and it was great, and it was awesome. No, I got to pay attention to what God's asking me to do because I'm his son. Now, powerless people are always looking for value, and because they're looking for value, what everyone else does will dictate whether or not they have power or not. So when someone else is in a deep need, and I'm like, Dun, 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 I get to come out. I want to rescue you. Why am I rescuing that person? Because I need to feel like I've got some power. I can help them. I can do that. Now, that is different from God saying, go serve that person. Right? right? Like, yes, go serve the person. But people who are constantly getting in other people's business, trying to rescue them from a situation that they don't even want rescuing from half the time, Right? Come on now. See, it's because they need power. They feel, they feel powerless. Victims feel powerless because it's what everyone else does that makes them feel like they don't have any power in this situation. Now, this is a, I'll just be a little more vulnerable. My wife is not in the room. And I will tell you, I feel like a victim to Mika sometimes. I feel powerless. Because she's got really good boundaries. <laughs> and she's okay to say no. <sighs> I'm not going to get what I want. Suddenly I'm a victim. No. She's powerful. She knows she's powerful. And if I'm like, oh, actually... Since I'm powerful, I can honor whatever she's doing, and I'm fine. I can honor whatever she needs, and I'm fine. I don't need to control. That's the other third thing, right, that powerless people do is they try to control someone else's behavior through manipulation, lies, right, threats, intimidation. All of that is a powerless person, someone who's powerless. They need power, so therefore, they're going to bow up and try and intimidate somebody to get them to do what I want you to do, because I'm right. You're, no, you're powerless. Bullies are powerless. And man, don't you dare blame that on the scriptures, that attitude of, well, I'm the husband, therefore, I get what I want. Don't do it, man. That is not Biblical. Just to be really clear, like, I don't mind shooting the elephant. Man, you're called to serve your wife. You are called to be in unity with your wife. You are not called to dominate your wife. That's part of the curse now. You don't, you don't dominate your wife. That's demonic. That's demonic to bully and, and intimidate your wife. Because you are a man. Nope. You know what it is? Ephesians 5 is beautiful. It says, husbands, treat your wives like Christ treats the church. And Christ died for his bride. Christ did what? He gave us freedom, not bondage. Tell me, tell me one time where Jesus says, if you don't do it my way, you don't do it my way, 
I'm going to withhold my love from you. Doesn't happen. It's not in the scriptures. It doesn't happen anywhere. It doesn't happen anywhere. In fact, I would be hard-pressed in the New Testament to find a place where God says that if you do not do exactly as he says, that he is going to punish you in the New Testament. That's Old Testament for sure. Where did all the punishment for sin go on the cross, right? Went on Jesus' back. So what does Jesus ask from us now? Complete obedience, right? He asks for our entire heart, right? He asks for us to be completely, intimately involved in his life, the life of Jesus. Does Jesus control you? No, he doesn't control you. Does Jesus manipulate you? In fact, Jesus says, here's what I desire, and he gives you the absolute freedom to choose not to do it. And he still loves you if you get it wrong. See, Jesus is a husband to the church who thrives on a free bride. Now, the other thing I've yet to find in Scripture is a 51% rule, man. I haven't found it. You let me know when you find the 51% rule. Well, you know, we share responsibility, but I got that extra 1% to put the trump card down when we really have to make a decision. It's not biblical. It's not in the Scriptures. In fact, it says that you're to be of one mind and of one accord. Of one mind and one accord. Here's how it happens in my marriage. If it doesn't work for Mika, it doesn't work for me. And if it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for Mika. We lay it down. We always lay it down. It doesn't matter what the decision is. And if we can't come to unity, we don't make the decision. We wait on the Lord. Why? He's our God. Same Father, same Spirit. We want to do whatever He wants to do. Oftentimes when I want to throw my weight around... It's because I want to get what I want, not what he wants. All right, you guys okay? I, I, just, I, I just want to make it really clear that, that the way that Jesus loves us is not through control and manipulation. He makes you powerful enough to choose him. And this is the beauty of a healthy marriage. A healthy marriage says, honey, if that's what you want, I'm glad to do it because I choose you. Hey, honey, I'm concerned because something's off here and I don't feel comfortable. And, and in a healthy relationship, you stop and you pull back and you go, well, let's find out what's there. You don't just plow through them. You find out, okay, well, what, what's the discord? Where, where is that? You take time together to discover what it is that's off. Are you guys with me? Okay. I don't even know why I went so hard on that this morning, but praise Jesus. I think that powerless people manifest in a whole lot of different ways, right? So we see victims, we see rescuers, and we see bullies. People that are looking for power because they don't know who they are in Christ yet. Hmm. Powerful children of God are those that are confident or who are confident in who they are and what they are called to do. Freedom comes because you know who you are, a son of God. <clears throat> yep, Romans 8, 1 through 16. I'm not going to read that whole passage, but it is, it is absolutely powerful. Free people are powerful people and are led by the Spirit of God. Freedom comes as you are filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Acts 1, 8. But you shall receive what? Power. Right? Powerful people receive power from God to do the thing that God wants them to do. Are you with me? Okay. So, free people are powerful people. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Let me tell you what. The church was birthed at Pentecost. Miracle signs and wonders flow freely. Why? They flowed freely. Why? 
they were set free. Miracles flowed in the New Testament because they understood they were free. They were powerful because they knew they were free. They knew they were free. They couldn't. You could throw them in jail. You could take them and you could whip them and say, never say the name of Jesus again. You could bind their hands and their feet, throw them in prison. You could do all types of crazy things to these men, but they were powerful in the midst of all that. In fact, what we've got, we've got a couple of great men of God thrown into prison and they're like, oh, it's time to worship. Let's sing some hymns. Let's call on the name of the Lord. Why? They knew who they were. They were powerful people. The circumstance didn't matter. They knew who they were and they were powerful. And because of that, what happens? Angels showed up and they're like, um, hey, you know what, guys? Let's roll. Let's go. Hey, all the doors are open. Let's go. The chains fell. Well, we don't want our prison guard to get in trouble. Why? Because they're powerful people. If we are constantly living a victim according to our circumstances and our situations and our spouse or the job or the employer or whatever's going on, if you're living in that, no, you don't know who you are yet. You don't know how powerful you are. I had a conversation with somebody. He's like, man, it feels so dark at work. And I'm like, you're the thermostat, not the thermometer. Yeah, you can pick up what's going on, but you get to set the tone because you're powerful. When people are bringing negativity, you can go, ha, ha, ha. Oh, I love the Lord. He's so good to me. And you get to bring that life. And people are like, I don't know why I kind of like this guy. Because you get to exercise the spirit of God in you over the things around you. Powerful. It's time, you know, you, the circumstances, guys, they don't matter. We want good circumstances in our lives. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on, come on. Nobody here is going to actually lie. We like good circumstances. But you know what? If it all goes sideways, you're powerful. The reason why I'm preaching this is because I think some of us have been caught up in fear about what might come to this nation. It's 4th of July. We got this amazing celebration and we look at what's happening in our world and fear wants to grip your heart. You're powerful. You're powerful. You're powerful. You get to be a light in a dark place. Why? Because you're powerful. You don't get your supply from this world. I thought it was so good. There's bread that you don't even know about. Guys, the gospel needs to be fully preached in our area, and how is that going to happen? Through powerful people who are set free. Will you stand with me? <clears throat> All right. Forgiveness activates freedom, right? Say it with me. Forgiveness activates freedom. Okay. Oh, maybe I even have it up here. Hold on. Nope. Okay. All right. Forgiveness activates freedom. And then the second thing we got to remember is that the spirit empowers freedom. Okay, say it with me. The Spirit empowers freedom. So we've got that forgiveness from the receiving forgiveness activates freedom. And I would also say that they're interconnected. As you forgive other people, it activates your freedom, right? Jesus said they're interconnected. You can't get away from it. I'm going to go back to that first question. What has oppressed you? What has bound you? What has held you captive? Whatever that thing is, I want you to consider it for a moment and recognize 
that all the power that it has had over you is because you gave it power. But you see, God is here to make you powerful. See, you need the Spirit of God to empower you to crucify the flesh, to do away with whatever was holding you captive or oppressing you. So, I want you to consider whatever area that might be that was taking charge over you or you feel captive by, blinded by, oppressed by, whatever that is. And I want you to take a moment and I want you to realize that in that area, you are powerful. Just take a moment and ask the Lord to fill you and empower you in those areas because he has made you powerful. Thank you, Lord. Just take a moment in your own heart. All right, church, everybody, I want you to repeat after me. I am powerful. Now say, I'm not a victim. Now say, I don't need to be a Messiah. Now say, I refuse to be a bully. Father, we come before you right now. We acknowledge that you are our provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. I thank you, God, that you are moving and working in every heart and every mind in this place. And I ask right now in Jesus' name that you would begin to fill them with your spirit, that they would encounter and touch you in the fullness of who you are. God, I am asking in Jesus' name that there would be an open heaven, an open door in every single person's life for you to move with power in their life. Any areas, God, where they have felt weak and they have felt incapable, where they have felt unable, they have felt like there was no way of escape. God, I pray that you would just breathe life into their bones right now, that they would know that they are powerful and that they are your children. Father, I pray right now that you would just begin to wrap people in your love who have felt distant from you. Those people that felt like they could never achieve what you wanted for them because they kept trying in their flesh. God, I pray that you would just cover them right now with your love and your power. With your love and your power. Father, we want godly marriages that honor you, that reflect who you are, Jesus. We want godly relationships in our family that honor you and reflect who you are. God, we want to be men and women of God who fulfill the roles and the callings in our life as you call us, as you move us without any fear. Father, I'm asking right now in Jesus' name, that people who've been struggling with bondage, I come on church, I feel like some of you have actually been really battling against depression and anxiety. You felt like you've been oppressed by that, where it's like, man, you might have a good couple days and then you are in the dumps. Come on, if that's you, every, every head bow, eyes closed. If that's you and you've been struggling with anxiety and depression, I want you to raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. I, I want everybody in the room, just put your hand on your heart. Heavenly Father, pray with this with me. Heavenly Father, I receive your freedom. I receive your forgiveness for every failure, for every mistake. I receive freedom over my emotions and over my mind. I give you my heart 
and I give you my mind so that I can walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for letting me and being so gracious with me as I push hot topic buttons with you from time to time. Thanks for being gracious with me. I do not want to come off sounding arrogant or prideful on any of these issues. There's a lot of room for all the different kinds of relationships in the kingdom. It's really up between you. What we can't, like if you are absolutely set that, you know, the, this is the role of the husband in the house and this is the role, I'm great with that. The thing that I never want to see in a marriage is control because that is not from God. It is from the enemy. So man, let's be amazing men of God who love our wives, not trying to control them to get what we want. You guys understand what I'm saying? I, I, I mean, everybody's got what works for them. I want it to look the way that Jesus wants it to look. Amen? Amen. And that's more about our heart. So Father, I just thank you for each marriage in this place. I bless the marriages. Husbands, I bless you to be godly men who love and serve your wives as, as Christ did the church. Wives, I bless you with the ability to honor and respect your husband. I bless you with the ability to give and serve freely in your home. Father, I just thank you so much for what you're doing in marriages. We bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, I love you. Happy 4th of July. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.